0: Hey guys, welcome to the Swerve Church Podcast. My name is Danny, the lead pastor. I pray that the message that you're about to hear is encouraging, uplifting, and honestly, challenging as well. I wanna invite you to join us in person Sundays at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub at 239 Stanhope Street, or catch Church Online at 11 a.m. on our YouTube or Facebook page. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I pray that you're blessed by today's message and that it helps draw you closer to Jesus. Last week, Paul told us about some people who are bad examples for us to follow. And what he called them was enemies of the cross. And what he said of these people was that their God is their stomach, meaning they enjoyed satisfying sinful appetites. They they glory in their shame. In other words, they celebrate, throw parades, laugh, and welcome that which they should be ashamed of, have an earthly focus, meaning that they care more about and are consumed by the here and now, and ultimately what waits for them is destruction. As we round out chapter 3, Paul is going to contrast enemies of the cross with friends of the cross. In other words, he will contrast people who reject Christ and people who surrender to him. What's the difference? In addition, Paul is going to help us understand what happens next. As followers of Christ, what do we have to look forward to? Some of you have questions about what happens when this life is over or, or about what the Bible says about the last days. Today's passage is going to whet your appetite about it and hopefully answer some of your questions and honestly, probably no doubt, lead you to ask even more questions as well. The first thing Paul is going to remind us is something he's already mentioned earlier in his letter you might remember, and this is number one. Our home is heaven. Here's how he says it in verse 20 of chapter 3. Our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly wait for Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. When Paul spoke about the enemies of the cross, he mentioned that they are consumed with an earthly focus. They're stuck in the here and now. Their present reality is what consumes them. But as followers of Jesus, we know that earth, the here and now, isn't our end all or be all. As followers of Christ, we are up, We are but sojourners on our way to be reunited with Dad, our heavenly Father. The here and now isn't all there is. In fact, This side of eternity is a blip compared to what comes after this life. Every day we face a daily temptation to be all consumed by the here and now, to get stuck on the hamster wheel of life, pursuing things that ultimately always end up keeping us empty. So what we need to do is fight the urge to make life all about us. Because when this life is over, we'll be returning home. We'll be in the presence of God. We'll be away from everything that we thought was so important And in the presence of God, we won't even miss it. All the energy and time and effort we put into earthly pursuits will vanish. This should build a sense of gratitude and hopefulness in us. For people who are all consumed with the here and now, there is no hope, no true joy, no true satisfaction. If you live a great life without Christ, you make tons of money, achieve all your dreams, drive the car that is the envy of all your friends, What does it matter when you die? None of it goes with you. If you live a horrible life, sick and dying, full of relationship strife and and, and calamity, life is full of struggle and hardship, as followers of Jesus, we still have hope. To be in the presence of God is to be away from all this pain, suffering, and strife. In the presence of God, there is no pain, heartache, suffering, shame, guilt, envy, or grief. You are only whole and restored in the presence of God. And this is why Jesus taught this in the book of Mark. We read this. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? What Jesus is communicating here is the same thing that Paul is teaching the church in Philippi. We can't live stuck and consumed by earthly pursuits. It can't be our everything. What we put our hope in, what we place our confidence in, what we live and die by, What this means is that we live with eternity in focus. We're not all consumed by the here and now. We know that what we see now is not all that there is, which means that this isn't my permanent residence. This is not where my citizenship lies. I'm a citizen of heaven. Are you living as a citizen of heaven? Which means that you're representing Christ on this side of eternity and you're awaiting to meet him on the other side of eternity. And instead of living consumed by an earthly focus, we live with eternity in mind. The second thing that Paul says, number two, is that we await the returning king. And here's how he says it in the verse. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is consistent with the teaching of the rest of scripture. He's speaking of the second coming of Christ, where he will ultimately collect his bride, the church, and essentially return us to the Garden of Eden. The Messiah came to reconcile us to the Father, to forgive us of sin, to give us new life. But God's redemptive plan doesn't end just with our reconciliation. It continues on to the restoration of all things. And this is what Jesus himself said in the Gospels. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all peoples of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. The first time salvation entered the earth, he came in meek, mild, clothed in humility, in the form of an infant. When Jesus returns, however, he will come as a triumphant king, clothed in power and glory. If the picture you have of Jesus in your mind is him without a hair out of place, you stroking a lamb, you know, with perfectly manicured hands, then you need to get that picture out of your mind because he's coming back victorious with strength and revealed in all his glory. The Bible says that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is the king that we're waiting for. This is who will return. And this is why Paul says that we eagerly await. There's an anxious excitement for the return of Christ. Like a kid on Christmas Eve has pent up excitement to open up the gifts under the tree on Christmas morning. Or like the excitement that you have built up when you lay your head on the pillow at night before before your flight for your vacation. That's how Paul describes how we eagerly await Christ. The question for you to wrestle with today is are you getting ready for the return of the king? The Bible says no one knows the day or the hour which means that the posture we are to remain in is ready and expectant. Or as Paul said, eagerly awaiting the return of our King. And until He comes, we continue striving towards the goal. The third thing Paul communicates in today's passage is that we will experience transformation. Let's go back into today's passage and check out what he says. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body. Here's what Paul is saying. Right now, as you are on this side of eternity, you are in a fragile state. That's, this is what he calls our body as in humble condition. Now, I don't think I need to convince you about this, but I'm going to do it anyway. No matter how elite of shape you think your body is, it remains fragile. You can work out, eat right, take vitamins, and drink protein shakes, and still get cancer. Fellas, you can be all big, bad, and hairy, but the flu still turns you into a baby and begging for mommy. You can slip down the stairs, twist your ankle, and be unable to walk for a few months. Our bodies are so fragile that we worry and we are fearful of new diseases and sicknesses that have the ability to spread and cause harm. Like COVID, for example. Or What about monkey pox? Need I say more? In a sin-ridden and fallen world, we are so surrounded by temptation and and we do things to harm our bodies. We overeat, for example. We indulge in sexual pleasures outside of God's design and plan. Some struggle with poor self-image and malnourish and starve themselves. But all this will change upon the return of King Jesus. When this happens, our bodies will turn into the likeness of the glorified, resurrected body of Christ. That means there will be no more disease, No more diabetes, no more high blood pressure, no more cancer, no more AIDS, no more pandemics, colds, flus, viruses, no more poor eyesight or blindness, no more back pain, no more arthritis, no more sprained ankles, paper cuts and splinters. No need for wheelchairs, walkers, crutches, casts, neck braces, doctors or medicine. Upon the return of King Jesus, we will have new bodies. We will experience transformation. Are you feeling pain today? Are you dealing with a sickness? Are you on multiple medications? One day in the presence of God, that will be no more. As followers of Jesus, that's what we have to look forward to. How does that make you feel? What emotions are conjured up when you hear this? This is what we got coming for us. Now, maybe you're asking yourself, how so? How is this going to happen? Or how can this even happen? Well, Paul is going to help you understand. The last big idea from today's passage, and in case you forgot, number four, Jesus is all-powerful. Look at today's passage one last time. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of His glorious body by the power that enables Him to subject everything to Himself. How is all this possible? How will we experience the transformed bodies? How will we experience eternity with the Father through Jesus who has all power and who deserves all glory? Some of you have a misconstrued understanding of Jesus. You have a warped view of who Jesus is. Maybe it's an image of Jesus from a painting grandma had on the wall. Maybe it's a picture of Jesus from a show where they poked fun and mocked him. I'm praying that today you see him for who he really is. And who is he really? He is all powerful. By the way, this is yet another claim in the scriptures of Jesus being God. Who else can it be said that everything is subject to themselves other than God? Jesus has this power. Jesus is God. And Paul confirmed this elsewhere in the book of Colossians. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, The visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and by him all things hold together. This is the Jesus that we serve. This is the Jesus that we call out to. This is the Jesus that we worship. This is the Jesus that is mighty to save. The one who everything was created by him, through him, and for him. That's the Jesus who has all the power and will transform our bodies upon his return. The question then is, is this the Jesus that you worship? Is this the Jesus you surrender to? If you haven't surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus, you have the opportunity to do so today. Let me tell you how powerful Jesus is. He is so powerful that he has the ability to reconcile fallen, sinful, heading for destruction human beings like you and me. He has the power to save. You and I, we have sinned against a holy, perfect, and righteous God. And because of that, what we've earned, according to the Bible, is death and destruction. But out of His immense love for us, God put on flesh in the person and work of Jesus. Jesus entered our mess to deliver us from Satan's grip. Jesus stood in the gap between us and the wrath of God. Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life, allowing Him to be the perfect sacrifice, the sinless Lamb of God was slaughtered so that we could be washed by his blood. But because Jesus is God and he's powerful, he has power over death and the grave. And he rose on the third day. So that now all who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, all who put their faith in the atoning work of Jesus on the cross, they can have forgiveness of sin and new life. That's the power of Jesus. And that's the power of Jesus you can experience today. Guys, this, this earth, the here and now, isn't all we have. We were never made for this. We were made for eternity. And we wait for we, we await with anticipation for the returning king who will transform our bodies, rid us of sickness and pain and suffering. And he can do all this because Jesus is powerful. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, that heaven is our home. Forgive us when we've lived earthly focus. And I pray, God, you help us to think upward. Jesus, we await your return. As we wait, God, we beg that you would save our friends, our family, our neighbors, and coworkers. As we wait, God, we pray that you empower us through your spirit to be about the kingdom and spreading your love. We know that we will experience transformation and we long for that day. In the meantime, Lord, give us a a piece of heaven on earth today. Heal hurts, pain, and sickness. Thank you for doctors, nurses, and the miracle of medicine. Help us to honor you with our bodies while we wait. Jesus, you are all-powerful, and so we worship you as King. Thank you for saving a wretch like me. We praise and worship you because you and you alone are worthy of worship, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Guys, I truly pray and hope that you were challenged and encouraged by today's message wanna take a second to invite you to join us in person. We're gathering this Sunday at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub, 239 Stanhope Street, right here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Uh, and come on over, join us, come to the Swerve Hub. Let's worship together, let's get together, let's worship God together, let's learn and grow together, let's fellowship together. Why don't you come on out and join us in person this Sunday.